Timing is everything. Here's Pastor Ed Ray to elaborate. He was supposed to go. That was the law. But he said, but I am not yet going to this feast for my time. Ah, my time is not right. Karyos is this Greek word that's for this appropriate, the perfect timing. Jesus is waiting because it wasn't Father God's timing for him. Now, Jesus was a lot better at patience than I am, <laughs> and probably you too. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing I think it's safe to say most of us want to be liked by others. But maybe you've noticed if you live for the Lord and walk as Jesus walked, not everyone will pat you on the back. In fact, at times we'll be hated. The world hated Jesus, and even his own family rejected him. And we can expect similar treatment as well. Today on Grow in Grace, that comes to our attention through a study in John chapter 7. Let's head there now. Here's Pastor Ed Ray. You notice the two words time in verse 6 and 8, and this whole section all the way down through verse 30 is about God's timing. In this case, it's God's timing in Jesus' life but really, I'm attempting to help you see that God has a timing schedule for your life, too. You have certain things appointed that are going to happen to you that you don't know the time. I don't know in my own life when God's about ready to do something. And it's really usually only in hindsight that you can see it was God's timing. Uh, the old Christian magazine called Guideposts comes from a scripture in Isaiah where it says, look back at the guidepost from where you've come. And the idea is you're walking in a wheat field in Kansas, and it seems like you don't know whether you're going in a straight line or wandering, but if you'll stop and look back, you'll see that God has led you on a straight path to where you are today. And it happened at an appropriate time. And sometimes that's the frustrating part. We want God to work right away, and his timing is not ours. Perfect timing is really important. I heard a story this week about two brothers who were standing in a bank line at the teller when two robbers came in, shot up into the ceiling of the bank, and went up to the tellers and emptied the tellers, teller's drawers into their bag, and then they turned on all the customers waiting in line. Well, the first brother turns to his brother and says, here's that 20 bucks I owe you. Because <laughs> they were going to clean them both out. That's perfect timing. That's the right time to get out of a debt, right? Now, there's an old rock and roll song from the 60s that uh, some of you may be old enough to remember. But it was actually taken from the book of Ecclesiastes. And it said, in everything there is a season. There's a time for every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap that which is planted. There's a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, 
and a time to refrain from embracing during COVID. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. There's a time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. King Solomon was once a wise king, but then in his middle ages, he turned from God. He thought he was smart enough to do it without him. Many of us have made that same mistake. But towards the end of his life, the years of the timing of things, he saw God's hand on his life, even when he was running from God. And so now he writes about the appropriate time in his life for everything. Now, the events of the seventh chapter of John that we're looking at this morning, the first part of it, actually takes place about six months after the last chapter we were in. There's a gap. And that gap moves from two big feast days in the Jewish uh, religion. So this area that we're in right now is a feast of tabernacles or a feast of booths. Six months earlier in the year were the, the feast of Passover. So this time of year is harvest, it's fall, it's September, October, and they gather in Jerusalem. Every Jewish male, 20 years old or older, was supposed to go to Jerusalem if they were within a reasonable traveling distance, and they would celebrate there. So the city would just grow for these eight days of this feast. But they had an interesting thing God told them to do, that they were to build thatched, kind of like lean-tos. They call them booths. And so sometimes they call this festival the Feast of Booths, or Sukkoth. Now, they were crudely built, just out of branches from a tree, and then the top covered with palm fronds. And even if you lived in Jerusalem, you would move out of your bedroom into this lean-to and sleep there at night under the stars with your children. And it was a setup for fathers to teach their children about the 40 years that the Jews had spent traveling across the wilderness when they had to live in tents for a long time. Fathers have an opportunity to tell them the story. Here's what our ancestors did. Here's how God led us so that we know we're where we're supposed to be. And so that was this eight-day feast that is here in this chapter. Growing danger for Jesus in this section. It is about six months before the cross, before he's crucified, and the Jewish leadership, which John, who wrote this, calls the Jews, it wasn't an ethnic slur. He, in fact, was a Jew genetically, but he was talking about the Jewish leadership, the priests, and they're out to kill Jesus. Now, this section breaks up into three parts. There's this up in the north Galilee discussion between his brothers and him, and then he goes down to Jerusalem, or as he's getting ready to go, and there's a debate about why he's there. And then when he gets there, he says, it's not the right time for me. And over and over again in this section of 30 verses, you'll see the word time and the word hour. 
And you can't miss the fact that God is trying to say something about your life and mine, the timing of certain things. So let's jump in, see what God might speak to you personally about your own life. Now, after these things, that's a Greek phrase, metatauta, and it means a division of time. So there's one division of time, chapter 6, now a second division of time, chapter 7. And John will use this same Greek phrase when he writes the last book of the New Testament called the Revelation. So after these things, after the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem, if you were here for that chapter 5, there's a guy sitting beside this pool for 38 years every day begging. And he can't walk. He's an invalid. He'd had an injury. The word suggests that something fell on him and crushed his legs. So he couldn't move. And Jesus walks up to him and says something kind of strange. Do you want to be healed? <laughs> but Jesus knew in his heart he was enjoying the life that he knew. And sometimes we do that. We get stuck in a rut, even if, when it's not a good rut. And finally, Jesus said, take up your bed, he's sitting on this pallet, and walk. Well, it's the Sabbath, it's Saturday. And he gets up, grabs his bed, and boogies down the street, and everybody is blown away by it. Were they happy? You'd think they would be for the guy, but no, they're angry. Why? Because Jesus did a good thing on the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to do anything good. On the Sabbath. You're not supposed to do anything. Now, this is the Jewish law. The Old Testament has 613, at least according to the rabbis, 613 commandments of things to do and things not to do. Thou shalt not and thou shalt. But they came to the conclusion that a relationship with God was all about rules and regulations. The way you get to heaven was just do a perfect life. How's that working out for you? Didn't work out so good for me. In fact, scripture says otherwise. All have sinned. That would be you. That would be me. But the good news is it is by grace that we are saved. From this free gift from God. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. All we can do is receive it as a gift. Now, the Jews did not get that then, and some would argue they still don't to this day, even though it's throughout the Old Testament and the New. Old Testament, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as rightness before God. He trusted that God was taking care of his sins. And it starts from there in Genesis chapter 17 all the way through the end of the Bible. So that's where this is going. There's a, an argument between the Jewish leadership, you got to do the rules, and Jesus is saying, no, it's your heart. Do you trust God? We're in the middle of a message from Pastor Ed Ray, taken from our series in John's Gospel. This is Grow in Grace. And let's get back to John chapter 7, picking up in verse 2. Jesus walked in Galilee. That's the northern part up around the Sea of Galilee. It's about 70 miles from Jerusalem. 
for he did not want to walk in Judea, which is in the southern part, the area around the city of Jerusalem, for the Jews, again, the Jewish leadership, sought to kill him. So, verse 2, the Jews' feast of tabernacles is at hand. This description I was giving you of them living in booths. Everybody moves out of doors and looks at the stars in the fall. It came during the harvest time when grapes were harvested, when, when all the grains were brought in. And so it's a celebration of this time of year when there's abundance. Verse 3, his brothers said to him, depart from here and go into Judea. Go south. Your disciples may also see the works that you are doing. It sounds supportive in that verse, but the truth is this is a very sarcastic mocking suggestion from his brothers. Now, I don't know how your family responded to you becoming a serious Christian, but I know how mine did. I grew up in a, in a large family, two boys, two girls, brothers and sisters, and now, 40 years later, I think they're still waiting for me to come around to my senses. You know, they're going, what's wrong with this guy? All he talks about is God. Somebody shut him up. I love my family, but they really don't understand what it means to surrender your life to the Lord and then get this view of eternity. So his brothers are mocking him. The word brothers, just a quick side note. Whatever denomination church that you've attended in the past or grew up in will color your feeling about this verse. Uh, Matthew 13, 55 says that Jesus had brothers and it lists them. James and Joseph and Simeon and Jude. But the Greek word for brothers can be used for cousins. And so if you grew up in a Catholic home, then you believe they were Jesus' cousins. If you grew up in a Greek Orthodox church, you believe that Joseph was married before. And these are children from his first marriage and his wife died. He was widowed. And you can't prove it by the word either way because the word for brothers in the Greek language is used for people that you like a lot that aren't genetically tied to you. You know, that's cool today to call somebody a bro, right, guys? And that's short for brother. And it's the same in the Greek language. So some people want to argue about it. I don't have time. I looked at it, studied it. You, know, you don't know. And we'll find out, though. <laughs> we will know when we get to heaven. They might be James and Jude who wrote the New Testament books that are really his brothers. There's probably in this conversation, they didn't believe Jesus. Later, they would write a New Testament book. At this time, they were unbelievers. So, verse 4, For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. It's a mocking suggestion by his brothers saying, hey, you're trying to get people to follow you. Go do some tricks in Jerusalem where the big crowds are. That's pretty arrogant. Even his brothers, verse 5, did not believe in him. At this point in their life, they did not. In fact, most of us suffer with that problem. In the early part of our lives, we didn't really believe in God. And, and maybe you're here this morning going, is there any truth to this? Is there any way we can really know? I was an atheist for 26 years, practicing professional scientist, and I didn't believe in God. I was angry, though, because I didn't want there to be a God. 
I didn't want to have to answer to him for all the things I wanted to do. I just live by the law. If it feels good, do it. Real intellectual approach to life. And God pulled me up short. Um, and so I don't care what your background is. You can be a flaming atheist this morning. We're glad you're here. Praise God you're here. And we'll look at this together. Maybe you'll, yeah, maybe you'll get infected. It'll be a wonderful infection. His brothers didn't believe. Verse 6, Jesus said to them, my time, important word, the important word in this whole section, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. <laughs> That's an interesting statement. He's really saying that for his life, he was under God's control, Father God, and that he wanted to do things the way God wanted to do it. He says to his brothers, you don't care about God. And you just do it anytime you want, whatever you want. If it feels good, do it. But I answer to God. And God says, there's certain things he, he wants you to do. So my time has not yet come. The word means the appropriate time, the best. It's not just a number on the clock. You know, it's not two minutes after whatever. It is, in fact, the prime purpose time, the appropriate time. And it is the time that God says is the right time. Jesus' brothers, they could go at any time down Jerusalem because they weren't in danger, number one. Number two, they didn't want God's opinion anyway. They were going to do it themselves. The world cannot hate you, verse 7, speaking of Jesus to his brothers, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. When he says world here, not talking about geography, he's talking about the world system. He's talking about the culture. He's talking about the society that we live in, that they were living in. The world hates me, but it loves you because you don't say anything to contradict the world. And maybe some of you are in that condition. I certainly was for a long time. Just going along with the flow. Well, everybody's doing it. It must be okay. But God calls us to go against the flow and to live differently than the world. Why? So that the world will say, what's going on in your life? How come you're more joyful than anybody else I know? How, how come you, you accept crazy things going on in the world? Well, I pray about them. Oh, you're one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The world cannot hate you because you get along with them. Verse 8, you go up to this feast. They said, Jesus, you go down to Jerusalem. He was supposed to go. That was the law. But he said, but I am not yet going to this feast for my time. Ah, my time is not right. Karyos is this Greek word that's for this appropriate, the perfect timing. Jesus is waiting because it wasn't Father God's timing for him. Now, Jesus was a lot better at patience than I am, <laughs> and probably you too. 30 years, he worked in a little tiny village, maybe less than 100 people, called Nazareth. And we assume, you know, Jesus of Nazareth might be a, an important place. It wasn't. It was the last stop. It was like saying you're from Mentone. Sorry. I live in Mentone, so I can say that. So Jesus was from Mentone, and that's going to show up throughout this sort of thing. But he waited there for 30 years. He knew he was going to heal people. He knew Father God was giving him miracles to do. 
He knew he was going to die on a cross for the sins of all of mankind, but he kept driving nails for 30 years. He was patient. Why? Because he didn't want to go ahead of God, and he didn't want to be behind him. When you make a decision, when you're faced with a decision, do you stop and say, God, show me what I'm supposed to do? It's that simple. And if you're going, well, I don't want to ask God, then say, God, make me willing to be willing to follow you. And you can back that up as many willings as you need. You know, make me willing to be willing to be willing to be willing to willing. But God will change your heart if you'll pray that. He'll make you willing to want to obey him. How does he do that? He changes our hearts. And we start seeing, I'm beating my head against this wall. Maybe there's a better way to do this. God, show me. That's where this whole thing is going. Do you seek God's method? Do you seek God's way? That's what Jesus is suggesting here. Are you looking for God's time? You do it too early, it'll be a mess. You do it too late, you might miss an opportunity that won't come around. Verse 9. And when he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. Now, Galilee is this beautiful area north, about 70 miles from Jerusalem, around the Sea of Galilee. And he worked out of this little village called Capernaum. It was a fishing village. And it, it's there within this wall. The white structure in the middle is the synagogue, the foundation of which is the one Jesus healed people in. Peter? Yeah. You remember his mother had a fever and Jesus came to his house just next to the synagogue? That's less than a block from the synagogue. That's the kind of stuff that archaeology sa says the Bible is right. How strange. <laughs> Archaeologists are getting smarter. Now they go to the Bible to find stuff. They used to find stuff and then go, well, I don't know what this is. What does it say in the Bible? So he's in the Galilee region. His brothers leave, verse 10. His brothers had gone up. You go up to Jerusalem, even though on a map, it's south. Because Jerusalem is a city set on a hill, and it's a holy city. So it always says, going up. He also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were, in secret. He sneaks in the back door. Why? He didn't want to cause a riot. You might remember in chapter 5, they wanted to make him king. Why? Because he had just fed them 5,000 men plus women and children, free bread. And that's what the Roman Caesars did. They gave a loaf of bread to every family in Rome and free admission to the circus. They entertained and they gave bread. They wanted to make Jesus the bread king. So he has to sneak into Jerusalem, probably through a small gate like the sheep gate. And they were looking for him. Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org, as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for Packing House Christian Fellowship, and if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you, 
at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource. It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Would you like to put a smile on our face? Just shoot us an email and let us know you're listening. It's so helpful to hear if a particular series is benefiting your walk with the Lord. It's encouraging, too. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. We have another study to look forward to in the Gospel of John next time on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We'll see you then. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world